Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for June 26, 2018. On today's episode, we'll talk about the latest TV and film news, which, uh, as it turns out, today is mostly Marvel and Star Wars. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is senior writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Y. Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. Ben, you haven't been around. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, so uh, this past weekend and into yesterday, I was in Lake Tahoe for the uh, an early press event for a movie called Bad Times at the El Royale, which is a film I'm, I'm very excited about. It comes out in October, so it's still we still have a few months uh, until the movie comes out. But they're doing this uh, early press event, and they went they they flew everybody to Lake Tahoe because that's the setting of the movie. Uh, Drew Goddard is the writer director of this film. He's the guy who made Cabin in the Woods. He wrote The Martian. Uh, he's been attached to a ton of really you know geek friendly properties over the past few years so people probably know who he is at this point um i'm very very excited to see what he has in store they showed us a little bit of footage not too much because the movie is still there's a work in progress michael giacchino is doing the score he hasn't even started composing the score for the movie yet so that sort of tells you where they are in terms of production um but uh but yeah what we saw was pretty good it's it's um the trailer is already out there, so people will, maybe we'll link to that in the show notes so people can sort of get a sense of what we're talking about if you don't know. But um, the movie takes place at this hotel called the El Royale. It's a rundown old hotel that used to be a hot spot for celebrities and politicians to hang out. And uh, a bunch of different characters show up and check in and they collide and, and uh, you know, bounce off of each other in interesting ways. And um, there's like some murder stuff. There's some secret identity stuff going on. It's all very uh, mysterious and it's set in 1969. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting premise and John Hamm and Jeff Bridges and Dakota Johnson and uh, a bunch of people. Nick Offerman are in this movie, so the cast is really great, too. The footage that we saw, just briefly, um, there's a scene in the trailer that you, where you see John Hamm's character walk through the back of a corridor uh, in the back of this hotel. And it's like a hidden, like a secret passage, basically, where 
you can walk back behind each person's room and look in and see what the guests are doing in their room. It's a really creepy scene. And we saw uh, the centerpiece of the footage that they showed us was like a five minute long single shot where John Hamm is walking back and forth, you know, looking at these different characters in this room. And Cynthia Erivo, who is a Broadway actress and a singer, she is is uh, playing a soul singer in this movie. And she sings um, live on the set like a full, you know, 60s soul song while Hamm is sort of like watching her and seeing what's going on. And uh, it's really cool. Yeah, she's like they did they did 27 takes. And on the 27th one, they nailed it. And that's the actual audio. Oh, so it, it actually is a one shot. It's not like, uh, you know, they stitch together things. Right. Yeah. In a it's a hundred man world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hundred percent just a, a single shot. And um, it's really unnerving. And, and um, there's some other stuff that he sees in there that I won't get into right now. But it's yeah. uh, it, it's cool. There, the, the event was pretty awesome. I got to interview Drew Goddard on a yacht out on Lake Tahoe. So that was <laughs> an experience that I've never had before. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you'll be, you know, if you stay tuned to slash home in the coming days, you'll see some of my coverage pop up on the site. Wait, I, I have one follow up question about this, Ben. Um, yes. so for the interview on the yacht, do they come and pick up each interviewer? Like, and then bring them out or is there <laughs> yeah. like a batch of people that are brought up there yeah it's sort of a batch situation they they uh shuttled us from the hotel to a like a lake house basically like a, a huge um lake house that's owned by the hotel and we were just like standing on the shore basically and a little boat had to come out and get i think it was like five or six of us at a time and and take us out to the middle of the lake where this uh big yacht was anchored out there and then they had the whole you know camera set up and everything uh on the the top floor of this yacht so uh yeah pretty ridiculous yeah that is that is crazy the trailer for this film looks crazy i i don't even know I mean, you described it, I think, very aptly, um, but I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, and I'm excited because I talked to uh, Drew Goddard a little bit like off camera and said that I was really excited for the film. And he said that he was glad to hear that because they held back a lot in the trailer and the movie goes to some really, really wild places by the end that we, you know, they haven't even really hinted at yet. So I'm I'm very excited for this. It comes out on October 5th. So if anybody's interested, definitely like add it to your release calendars. Yeah. And, and coming from the guy that made Cabin in the Woods... Uh, that kind of scares me. <laughs> Going to yeah. some wild places. Uh, but okay, let's get into the news. Uh, let's start off with um, there's a lot of Kevin Feige stories because the Ant Man and the Wasp junket just happened this weekend in Pasadena. I was there. Uh, my coverage will run a little bit later. Uh, but all these news bits are coming out of people talking to Kevin Feige. And let's start off with uh, just one of them, and that is that Marvel wants to build. Uh, the MCU into having 50% female superheroes or over 50% female superheroes. HT, what is going on here? Yeah. So the uh, representation for female superheroes is pretty lackluster when you think about it, because uh, only next year we'll be getting our first uh, solo female superhero movie. And that'll be Captain Marvel in the 10 years of the MCU. Wait, 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 before you go on, who do, who do we have so far? We have black, widow we have we're getting captain marvel yes we have uh, we have the wasp who's uh, got double yeah. building with ant-man uh, we have a bunch of other supporting characters too the guardians like nebula and gamora uh we have uh scarlet witch uh 
you know, mostly supporting characters. Yeah. And a lot of them don't really exist outside of, for example, like Scarlet Witch exists outside of the the sort of realm, the Avengers area films. of like, yeah, yeah the of the. Same like the, thing with like Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but Kevin Feige is admitting that, you know, it's time for a change. And in response to a question from um, Screen Rant, uh, he, uh, his, he's saying that his goal for the future of the MCU is that um, to have the roster for all the Marvel superheroes to be over half of them female, uh, just as many female superhero movies super superheroes as male superheroes or more if possible and hopefully not as many played by white men named chris <laughs> um you, you know this seems like a lofty goal it almost seems impossible to, to me at this point like <laughs> you, you know by we listed i think what six or seven female mm-hmm. superheroes and you know there's been 20 films thus far and most of them have multiple superheroes uh you know that's a lot of guys so if you were going to get it to a 50 50 parody uh with you know the male superheroes you, you know there's a lot of work to be done yeah the odds are pretty stacked against them but to be fair they're not really lacking for female superheroes in the marvel comics and uh Feige has also expressed interest in the idea of a super all-female all superhero team, uh, hopefully the A-Force or something like that. And that might help sort of balance the scales a little bit. Yeah, I, f- I, f- I feel like to get to that point, though, it's going to take some years because you need to build up these. You know, you can't do the DC thing where you just have them all, you know, introduced in a movie. You need to, you know, want to have all those female superheroes come together. That's very true. I mean, at the rate they're going, it doesn't seem like it. But, you know, in after Avengers 4, the slate is basically clean. And we could just see a explosion of new characters introduced uh, just like right off the bat in movies and ensemble movies. So it could be it could change the game. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, let's talk a bit about Spider-Man, the Homecoming sequel. Over the weekend, Tom Holland post, posted a video on Instagram saying he had gotten a script for the, the untitled sequel. And uh, Tom Holland is notoriously known for spoiling things. And uh, th- that has been kind of a joke which Marvel ha- and Disney has kind of um, used to comic effect uh, and in this uh, this jo- in this video, he shows the iPad of uh, the you know showing the script, and it has this title page that says uh, "Spider-Man: Far From Home," which it turns out is the official title of the next Spider-Man movie. Uh, Kevin Feige confirmed it at the junket. Uh, we did already know that the movie will take Peter Parker to international locations, probably mostly London, because the film's filming in london so the far from home uh seems to gel with the rumors that there might be like a foreign exchange student subplot to this sequel uh but i know hd you wrote up a bunch of the kevin feige stuff that we were talking about and he did comment on this title uh what does it mean yeah other than confirming that the title is official in the accidental reveal by tom holland uh feige said that um i'm quote It's similar to Spider-Man Homecoming. I won't say what the meanings are, but we enjoy that title because, like Homecoming, it's it's full of alternative meanings. And we like continuing the home thing with a little Spidey symbol in the home. So 
he's saying that there's a double meaning to Spider-Man Far From Home. So it could mean Far From Home literally, like we talked about with uh, him going to London and other European uh, locations, but it could mean something else entirely. It's also interesting because it seems like they're going for this kind of like home motif with these, mm-hmm. this Spider-Man trilogy. So I can't even imagine. Uh, ben, do you have any, any ideas what the third Spider-Man could be titled? Going mm. with this home aesthetic. Too fast, too home. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> Spider-Man Home on the Range, and it's a Western. <laughs> uh, if anybody out there has some good ideas, send them to Peter at SlashFilm.com. And if, if we actually get any any funny or good ideas, I'll, I'll, I'll mention it on tomorrow's episode. Uh, Feige was also talking, or was asked about um, when we can expect the first Captain Marvel trailer and when we will finally learn the title for Avengers 4. Uh, of course, in his own feige way, he you know does not tell us uh, you know solid concrete answers. But H.C., what what did he say? Yeah, in typical feige fashion, he kind of vaguely answered the questions. The Captain Marvel trailer, he said, is quote still a few months out quote, uh, which means we won't likely see it attached to the upcoming Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, release or it, when San Diego Comic-Con rolls around next month either. So. A few months out could mean it will be released even in the fall. Uh, So we're not sure yet. And um, we'll be waiting with highly bated breath for that trailer. And uh, the Avengers 4 title is uh, he also continued his tight lip stance saying that uh, that'll be after the Captain Marvel teaser, probably when he announced the title for Avengers 4. So um, towards the end of the year uh, or sometime in that area. Interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's move on from Marvel uh, from Marvel for a bit. Let's go to um, let's actually talk about Get Out Two. Jordan Peele is actually flirting with the idea of doing a sequel to you know his critically acclaimed horror hit. Ben, is this going to happen? I don't know. Uh, Variety spoke with Jason Blum, who is the um, producer of Get Out and the head of Blumhouse Productions, and he had a very, very short quote about the possibility of Get Out 2. He said, if Jordan wants to do a sequel, I'll do it in a second, but it has to come from Jordan Peele. I think he's flirting with the idea. So that's admittedly like not a lot to go on, but it does indicate that uh, Jordan Peele has not completely thrown away the the idea of making Get Out 2. Um, he was talking about a potential sequel earlier this year, saying that he would definitely consider it. He loves the universe. He feels like there's more story to tell there, um, You know that there are some loose ends that he could wrap up in a sequel, but he was really sort of noncommittal about it. And it sounds like, I mean, according, this, this is a very recent interview with Jason Blum, and it sounds like Jordan Peele is still thinking about this even now. So, uh, you know, the the idea that he's still considering it makes me wonder if he actually has some real ideas brewing. In terms of, like, what Get Out 2 could actually be about, that's a little bit more difficult to <laughs> to guess. I mean, the only thing I can really think of is, um, I guess, spoilers for Get Out. Uh, at the very end of the movie, um, his girlfriend, Allison Williams, Rose, the the character's name is Rose. It's played by Allison Williams. She is like left for dead, but she's still technically alive at the end of the movie. So maybe it could be about her sort of trying to enact some sort of vengeance on uh, Daniel Kaluuya's Chris character. I, oh. I don't know. That that seems 
um, a little too trite to me. And Jordan Peele is like proven to be a very thoughtful <laughs> filmmaker. So I, I don't think he would just go for the easy road. And he's also said before that he's not interested in just doing like a cash grab sequel. So he would really have have to have something important to say with this movie. So I, I don't know. Do you guys think that there's any hope for a get out to or is that something you'd even be interested in? Well, I don't think I would be interested in it, and I really can't see a, a good way of doing it right. I, you know, y- your idea sounds logical. You know, at first, the first thing that came to my mind was, you know, a prequel. But as far as we know, no one has, you know, gotten out before uh, that character. So I'm right. not sure if that would be interesting at all. Maybe you could do a prequel cut to the sequel, you know. The sequel mm, that you yeah. p- pitched, uh, HT. I know this was one of your favorite movies of that year. Do we need a Get Out sequel? I would really not like a Get Out sequel, just because it's so concise and um, biting in the way that this it's all self-contained and has like one specific simple message. And I think that a, a second film could kind of dilute that message and uh, just make it not as thrilling. Or as a novel as the first one was. You know, at the same time, you do say that, but, you know, looking at my Twitter feed and seeing, you know, the world we are now in, which is <laughs> uh, even more horrifying than it was, you know, when Get Out was released uh, last year. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's some interesting parallels and things that a filmmaker and artist of Jordan Peele's uh, nature could, uh, you know, bring to a horror film. I just don't know what those would be. Well, the good news is he already has another movie that's in the works. It's called Us, and it comes out in March of next year. And that one stars Lupita Nyong'o and Elizabeth Moss and uh, Winston Duke from Black Panther. And that's also being called a quote-unquote new nightmare from Jordan Peele. So it seems like maybe he's uh, he's tapped into another of those, uh, you know, social thriller kind of vibe things that he was talking about with, uh, with Get Out. For sure. Um you know, we've been talking a lot about MoviePass, and now AMC has introduced their A-List subscription service, which I think is out today. So I think uh, you can subscribe to that now. Um, but other movie theater chains are also going to be trying out these movie subscription services. Alamo Drafthouse has announced that they are testing their own uh, subscription plan called Alamo Season Pass. HT, what do we know about it? So Alamo Draft House announced that it will begin testing Alamo Season Pass this summer, uh, and it'll be testing it um, in Yonkers, New York, where the test run will begin on July 18th and run through the summer. Uh, it's not only a beta test for now, but uh, it's kind of uh, hopeful for a lot of indie moviegoers because it's a this Alamo Draft House is a really beloved independent theater chain, and uh, it's. No, notorious for uh, for uh, banning uh, attendees from having their cell phones inside the theater. So, uh, ironically, you will need your fo- your phone to to use this service. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, they'll start testing in Yonkers, New York, and then uh, presumably begin expanding once the test run is successful. But um, a f- it will initially there aren't many details about this uh, other than. Uh, the fact that they're launching this beta launch uh, and that it's for Alamo Victory loyalty members. But um, 
we'll see how well it goes. Well, I, I will say this much, you know, uh, a lot of talk has gone around about the sustainability of these kind of subscription services, uh, you know. MoviePass is doing it for $10 a month. AMC is doing it for 20 bucks a month. And even at that value, you know, you could see three movies a week and that's what, uh, 12 movies a month or so. Um, you know, that's a lot of movies and a lot of money that they're paying to the movie companies and distributors. Uh, you know, they could be taking a total bath for these subscription services, but a company like Alamo Drafthouse, uh, I'm not sure if many of the listeners out there has, have been to one, uh, but they're, you know, really popular in Austin, Texas, where it started. I've been to uh, the one there for a couple of film festivals and and stuff. And it, it is, you know, one of my favorite movie theaters in the world. Uh, slash film managing editor Jacob Hall. It's his favorite theater. Uh, but the thing about it is you go there and it's almost like a dinner in a movie experience. You go there to order an entree or order appetizers and, you know, you eat during the movies. So a a place like that, I think, is more willing to probably do a subscription service and make money because they're going to make all the money on those uh, those food costs. Do you know what I mean? Like the, those uh, those percentages on those food costs are are very tiny, and th- that's where they're going to get make the money, even if they lose the money on the tickets. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, what Alamo does with this, and if they do anything differently than both the AMC and Movie Pass plans. I, I actually, you know, I don't have this on the, the docket here, but I did see today uh, Drew McWeeny, uh, who's a writer in the, the film world, uh, was tweeting about AMC's plan because he was trying to sign up uh, his whole family for these AMC A-list uh, subscriptions. And it brought to attention something I didn't know about the AMC A-list subscription, and that is that you cannot be a person under the age of 18 and have an A-list subscription. Um, huh. So he's mad because he can't, you know, sign up his, fi- you know, his kids, uh, his family. And I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, is this a legal thing? And it, the more and more I thought about it, I was like, no. What it probably is, is the AMC knows that kids are more likely to abuse or not abuse, use uh, this service to its full extent. Like I can imagine as a kid, if I had this, you know, going to the movies every weekend and, you know, seeing the three in one day. Um, and I'm assuming that they don't want kids to be having these these passes because, you know, the people they want is to get the adults to come to the, to the movies more. Uh, <laughs> ben, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think, you know, from a business perspective for them, like their ideal thing would be for everybody to sign up for this and then just to sort of forget about it, almost like a gym membership and like barely show up here and there. Right. Because that's the that's the best uh, case scenario for them. Uh, people just to barely use it enough to stay subscribed. So uh, you might be onto something there. I'm not really sure. I I, I guess that the, the um, counterpoint to your argument there might be that kids could theoretically buy more concessions and stuff if they were there all the time. But I, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see if AMC reacts to that. Cause I've seen a, a quite a bit of uh, outrage on my Twitter feed uh, from parents. Um, but on the other side of the coin, uh, if you do have an A-list uh, subscription, uh, you can buy a ticket for your kid and, you know, reserve the seat with you. Uh, you just have to, you know, pay for it. 
So I'm mm-hmm. not sure if that would help or, or hurt. But uh, let's move on to Star Wars. We, we got a bit of Star Wars news here. And let's start first with uh, the spinoff films. We we talked last week about how the spinoff films were apparently put on hold. Uh, that that turned out to not be the case. You know, Disney came out and kind of said, you know, they're not on hold. We're still developing spinoff films. But now uh, we have an update on what is going on with the the uh the rumored and announced uh well i guess none of them have been formally announced but the the rumored star wars spinoff movies ben yeah I, th- I think really when lucasfilm put out their statement last week it was almost kind of saying the same thing that collider's initial report said it, it was saying like oh we're still developing some of these spinoff movies but collider's initial report actually said that that the uh, David Benioff and uh, D.B. Weiss movies were were still in the works and Ryan Johnson's trilogy of, of spinoff films were still in the works. So it, it was a very weird thing that this whole thing strikes me as very odd. Um, it's almost like they're trying to do damage control for something that they are admitting to at the same time. But uh, The Hollywood Reporter had, had a new uh, report recently about uh, what the goings-on behind the scenes of these uh, Star Wars spinoff movies. And basically, it, it sort of reiterates a lot of what we would already talked about. These, these films apparently are going to be on hold, for at least for the time being. But the Boba Fett movie, which uh, is supposed to be directed by James Mangold, he is... Uh, co-writing that script with Simon Kinberg, um, James Mangold, who's the director of Logan, for those who don't know. Um, that movie apparently could be reconfigured to be smaller and less expensive in the wake of uh, Solo, A Star Wars Story's underperforming uh, box office. So that, that's the... And, and we the, should uh, note, that's the reason why that is a failure at the box office. Not because, you know, not enough people went to see it. It was just the the budget because of they either re- reshoot almost the entire movie right yeah uh, it's the most expensive star wars movie ever which is crazy to think about but yeah that's that's exactly right um the the news that uh, this project this boba fett movie might be reconfigured um it, it also came along with the word that this project wouldn't come together until james mangold is done with ford versus ferrari which is a period racing drama that he has in the works with uh, matt damon and christian bale starring in that so it seems like there's going to be some time um for lucasfilm to figure out what's going on uh as far as the obi-wan kenobi movie that apparently is still up in the air that you know that's like in collider's initial report we're basically just not sure if that movie is happening at all now. It seems like that could have been the one that was uh, that had some stages, um, you know, some space reserved for filming at Pinewood Studios in London, and that has been canceled. And uh, like you said, Peter, none of that was ever, you know, officially announced. So we're still not a hundred percent sure exactly what was going on there. But um, yeah, it, it seems like none of these projects are, are going to uh, be happening anytime soon. Anyway. Yeah, and uh, another rumor that has popped up uh, today, actually, is uh, that Star Wars Episode Nine might bring back Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, this seems kind of insane to me. Uh, ben, what do we know? Yeah, so this one is uh, is way less um, concrete, and it because it comes from a tabloid called The Sun, uh, which I think is is out of the UK, and um, <laughs> you know it, it's one of those things that that doesn't really make a ton of sense when you think about it, but there is some precedent for this to happen. So I, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan, for him to show up in Episode Nine 
for him to show up, uh, I guess, as like a force ghost or something that would that would sort of throw off the continuity of the Star Wars movies, because we've already seen Alec Guinness, uh, who played Obi-Wan in the original trilogy as a force ghost. So for them to sort of switch that up and all of a sudden, you know, if they were do, to do like a big force ghost party of like all of, you know, everyone involved with the Skywalker movies at the end of episode nine it would be very strange for them to suddenly revert back to the Ewan McGregor version of that character, right? So uh, Brad was speculating that the only way that this might work is that if uh, Ewan McGregor was coming back to provide some voiceover work, which he actually did in uh, The Force Awakens. So um, it, there was a, for uh, what was it, Ray's force memory scene, I forget what for, the- They called the, it a force back. Yes, the force back. Um, she, you know, touched the the lightsaber for the first time and heard some re-recorded dialogue from Frank Oz as Yoda and some archived audio of Sir Alec Guinness and also Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. It was like a, a mixture of all of their voices, um, you know, reaching out to her across the force kind of thing. So the, there's a chance that if McGregor comes back for episode nine, it could be in that capacity as well. It It just seems so weird to me because... You know, Obi-Wan Kenobi really doesn't have any connection to any of the characters currently alive in the Star Wars universe. I guess, you know, maybe Princess Leia, but, you know, I think we're all expecting she's not going to be in this final film. Right. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah, I don't... I, I agree with Ben. I think it's probably the case of just him coming back to do a voiceover of some sort. But what what is the purpose there? Like Ray isn't going to know who that is, and unless there is some kind of relation. But I think we've already kind of, you know, passed that <laughs> that that building. Maybe uh, it's like uh, maybe it's like Finn or somebody else. You know, has like a, an awakening or a different character entirely has some sort of um, you know force awakening, or maybe Ray like I don't know levels up to. <laughs> to like a super saiyan jedi kind of thing where she <laughs> you know where she she like uh powers up and hears the voices of of every jedi or something like that you know this could again this is coming from a tabloid so yeah there's you know it might not happen at all but if it does maybe it's some maybe they'll get samuel jackson to come back and do a little voice thing for mace windu and all of it you know sort of weaves into this larger oh. tapestry of like the the entire history of every force user you know that she like has that uh at her disposal or something like that i don't know i'm just, I'm just oh it's that's that actually reminds me of a scene from avatar the last airbender where Aang gets in touch with all of his past reincarnations in this really beautiful sort of trippy sequence and i could see that happening in um episode nine not to bring it into like a nerdy animated standpoint <laughs> i don't know i i, I feel like I feel like this must be, you know, the communication, the cross communications here, you know, with the, you know, they were in pre-production for this Obi-Wan movie. Maybe, you know, someone in the UK heard about that and thought it was for episode nine. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's probably the most likely response. Or yeah. there's the, also the possibility, as you mentioned, that this is just a tabloid newspaper making stuff up. <laughs> but uh, I, don't, I don't even know how that works because, you know... Yeah. Anyways, let's move on uh, to one last thing. Let's talk about the Predator trailer. Uh, they There was a trailer that came out, I think, last month, and it was kind of met with, uh, I want to say, Luke, response. Yeah, I want to say lukewarm, but I, I think that's even giving it too much credit. Like, it, like I, I don't know anybody that liked that trailer. Like, I guess it opened with this kind of Amblin-esque 
quality, which I appreciated, but where it went, I was like, oh, this is not the movie I want to see. Um, is Amblin something you want to associate with the Predator, though? Yeah, that too. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but um, anyways, uh, Fox has released a new trailer for the Predator. It is a red band trailer, which means it's R-rated and full of blood. And boy, is it full of blood. And uh, it, uh, I don't know. Let me start this off with a reaction. You can you, you, well, First of all, you can watch this trailer on SlashFilm.com. Uh, ben has done a, a full uh, breakdown of the trailer as well. But boy, is this bloody! And this is this is the trailer that they should have opened with. I think, um, like it, it really like reminds me of a Predator movie. And it's uh, now I'm finally excited to see this. HT, do you have any thoughts on this trailer? So don't be mad at me. I've never seen a Predator movie. Um, the only exposure I've had to Predator is through the Predator versus Alien movie. Oh, no. <laughs> see, 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 I'm, I, I'm not bad at, mad at you for the first statement, but the second statement, I'm kind of, uh, I feel bad. Yeah. So I was like, what is this dumb, um, really dark, like lit, dimly lit in that case too, uh, just like aliens beating each other up movie. So I've never had a a fondness or affection for Predator. Um, But I was impressed by this trailer. I liked how uh, moody it was and how it kind of tapped into this like PTSD uh, sort of subplot with the soldiers who who, uh, first run into the Predator. And um, I don't really know what's going on because I'm not really well versed in in the mythology. But there's like a bigger predator, and that's a really cool reveal. So um, yeah, I I liked it. I I don't really have anything to say other than yeah, that looks like a predator. <laughs> ben, do you have any thoughts, or did you see anything while you were breaking down this whole thing for the site? Yeah, I really like this trailer a lot. Um, I think Sterling K. Brown looks so cool in this movie, and you know, no offense to Jacob Tremblay, the the young actor who is in that Amblin-esque opening of the previous trailer, but opening this trailer with Sterling, Sterling K. Brown, you know, talking about how much of a badass he is basically is, is a way better introduction to this world, I think. And um, yeah, Peter, Peter, like you mentioned, is so violent and very much in line with what you would expect from an actual predator movie. I've only seen the first predator from 1987. I think I saw one of the alien versus predator movies, but I don't even remember which one. Those are basically useless. Um, so I, I'm not too uh, fluent on the, the deeper mythology either hd but this does look really cool i think um the super predator which is what one of the fox representatives uh, told me that they're calling that creature internally um is is pretty huge i mean it's way bigger than a normal predator which is like a pretty hefty beast and um this thing it seems like this, this movie could be leading toward like a team up of the regular predators teaming up with the humans in order to in order to take down this super predator creature. So uh, I'm excited to see that because that's definitely a change of pace from you know what has happened in previous predator films. And this definitely feels like a Shane Black movie to me, which is what I'm excited about the most in yeah. this whole thing. That Shane Black is the writer director behind this project or co writer. I think he he co wrote it with uh, Fred Decker who co-wrote the monster squad with him back in the 80s as well um so yeah this this looks like a lot of fun i'm, I'm totally in yeah you kind of finally get some of his style and some of his humor which i think was uh you know you really didn't get a sense of it in the first trailer and i don't know what do you guys think about like it seems like every franchise at some point this is the direction they go into where they go into the direction of the bad guy has to become the good guy and team up with the good guys you know, like hmm. the yeah, Jurassic uh, series, Jurassic has done that. World. 
Yeah. I'm like Terminator. Yeah. Like, is why do we keep on what? Why? I guess there's only so many ways to go, right? Like, you can't just recycle the same bad guys over and over and over again because it gets boring. Once you hit, you know, four or five movies in a franchise, it's like, well, I guess you gotta you gotta switch things up. I think Terminator was probably a um, uh, an anomaly in that uh, James Cameron swapped it so quickly between the first and second film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Uh, there I might be. I think it's when like the monster becomes the face of the franchise and you know the toy and and the thing that everyone recognizes they inevitably start sort of connecting and sympathizing with it and uh so I think that's why it's just kind of like our innate human tendency to want to find a deeper connection <laughs> in these monsters but I feel like once we find this uh deeper connection they are no longer monsters and no longer as exciting exactly uh, you just wrote the essay Peter yeah I, I'm not uh you know I'm not advocating for you know the 80s where we got you know 20 movies with Freddy and Jason as the bad guys never you know teaming up with the good guys but I don't know it just seems like uh I don't know I, I, don't, I don't I don't have a fleshed out thought on this but it just <laughs> yeah I wanted to bring that up but uh we have reached the end of the news Ben where can people find more of your work online you can find me at SlashFilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. And you can hear me on my other podcast, the Not Just New Movies podcast at NotJustNewMovies.com. HD, where can we find you? You can also find me every day at SlashFilm.com. And I'm on Twitter at HTranBui. And you can find me at SlashFilm.com, along with all these stories that we talked about today. Uh, you can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, published on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, on all every weekday. And uh, please, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, send them to Peter at SlashFilm.com. Please go rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. And we'll see you tomorrow. For years, Minky Couture has been donating blankets to NICUs across the country. Owner Sandy Henry's grandson was born at 30 weeks, and she placed a mini blanket in her grandson's incubator. We want to help other NICU families with the Heart of Minky program. For every adult-sized blanket purchased, Minky Couture will donate a mini-sized blanket to NICUs across the nation. Thanks to you, we can fulfill our dream to blanket the world.